Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good? Good. Welcome to those of you online. It's good to be with you as well. Um, we've been in a series now, we're six weeks into an eight-week series that we're doing called Belonging, what it means to be a member of VCDC. And over these weeks, there's been, it's been really inspired by one particular verse found in Romans 12, verses four through five. And so if you want to throw that up on the screen, so I want to read it together here. It says this, for just as each of us has one body with many members, And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And we've also referred to this quote. It's a simple but powerful quote. It says this, church is not something we go to, but something we belong to. If you've been here, you're probably like here, you've gotten used to saying that. You've got that one memorized by now, right? But um, this idea that church is, is, not just something that's a place. It's not just a building. It's not just an event or something uh, that you're a spectator of or observer of, but it's something that you're a part of. And it's a part of you. It's, it's the, again, this idea of belonging. And over the last number of weeks, we've talked about a number of different topics. We talked about uh, defining the church as the body of Christ, the unifying church as, as being one and united and how important that is a functioning church about how everybody gets to play and everybody you know, needs to play it's part, as part of the church, uh, a spirit-led church that is naturally supernatural. And then last weekend, Michael talked about the kingdom church, being a kingdom church, uh, the now and the not yet that we all experience. And today, I wanna talk about being a generous church, being a generous church. So what does it look like to be a generous church? How are we as the body of Christ called to be collectively generous? And what does that actually look like? Well, where better to look than maybe the earliest church, the very first example of the church in the book of Acts in the Bible. And let's see what they were like and how generous they were. So if you wanna turn to your Bibles or your phone apps, we'll also put the verses on the screen, but we're gonna be in Acts 4 primarily uh, and looking at Acts 4 uh, verses uh, 31 through 35. But this is taking place just a few weeks after Jesus has resurrected and ascended and gone back to heaven. And now the, the church is there to kind of figure this out and they're, it's brand new, it's brand new. So let's see what they're, how, how, how um, generosity plays in, uh, in the early church. So after they prayed, it says, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. We'll stop there. What a beautiful picture of generosity, right? Generosity is oozing throughout all those, just those, those few verses. The early church members took their stuff, their possessions that they had, and they shared what they could. Some of them with extra took their extra land or extra homes and sold them and gave the money to the, the apostles, the leaders of the church. 
to give out to anyone in need. That would, this was radical generosity, radical generosity. Lots of historians believe that this was one of the major reasons why Christianity began really to spread like wildfire in the, in the early days across the Roman Empire because of this. When people heard the good news of Jesus and saw the generosity and experienced the generosity of Jesus and then experienced the generosity of his followers, that was so inviting. That was so inviting. And, you know, Roman society back then didn't have some of the social programs that we might expect governments and communities to have to support people in need. That was completely non-existent. And so, so for these Jesus followers to willingly give to those in need in such generous ways, this was so radical, so radical. Now, was this just radical as the greatest marketing scheme ever? Like, did the early church leaders just concoct up this plan thinking if we can smooth talk some big donors and then you know, spread that cash, we'll, we'll get lots of people to be a part of our church? Well, no, of course not. That wasn't, that wasn't the idea at all. The church did not come up with some ploy or idea to trick uh, people into joining Team Jesus. Uh, it actually wasn't the leader's idea at all, actually. It was God's idea. It was God's idea. It's the Holy Spirit's plan uh, for the early church to be generous. Look back in verse 31. It says this, after they pr- prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. It's after they get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's after that, that we see this overflow of generosity begin to occur. It's because of that. These early fathers didn't do it because God made them do it. They didn't do it because they were guilt-tripped into doing it. No, they wanted to do it because they had experienced the overwhelming grace of God. Verse 33, it says this, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. It was because of God's grace in their life. It was because of hearing the good news about Jesus and his resurrection and experiencing the kingdom of God and his great generosity towards them, that that gift, that grace was completely transformative in their own personal lives. God's favor and love toward them, his forgiveness and unconditional acceptance of them It was because of that grace, it overflowed out of them and they willingly and radically became generous and giving, extending grace towards others. You know, this weekend is Valentine's Day weekend, right? You might be planning to get gifts for some of the people you love. You know, maybe if you, you know, you might be buying flowers for your spouse, candy for your kids. You might just be sending a card to a friend to let them know, hey, just wanted to know how much I appreciate you, how much I love you, how much I care about you, right? But how do we give a gift to God? How can we do that, right? When we, when we have experienced and acknowledged his invaluable gift of salvation and grace, how do we give back to God? How, how do we do that? We can't send flowers to Jesus, right? You know, we can't send a card to Jesus at 1000 Paradise Avenue Heavenly Way or whatever, right? Uh, we can't do that. Uh, so how do we express our love for Jesus and extend generosity to him when he's not here right in front of us? Well, he actually tells us how to do it. He tells us how to do it in Matthew 25. He says this, 
For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king, Jesus, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We reciprocate the generosity we have received by God by being generous to others, by being generous to others in need. A church, a church that is collectively generous is a natural overflowing effect of being an authentic body of Christ. It's a natural overflowing effect. The people in the early church, their hearts so overflowed with so much grace that it played out by giving to all those in need. But, but does it still look that way today? How does it look today? Sometimes we see need right in front of us, right? We see somebody who needs something right in front of us. You know, I can help shovel my ill neighbor's driveway, right? I can buy that item in the grocery store for the person in front of me whose coupon just expired and now they're gonna put it back. I can do those things when I see them, but what about the needs that I don't always see, but are still there? Or what about the needs that are too big for one person to, to do on their own? You know, in the passage in Acts, we read this, for from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. They, they gave it to the church and it was distributed to anyone who was at need. See, there was this, Great privilege, but also a great, great responsibility and trust in the apostles and the leaders to collect and then re-give out to meet the needs of the collective community. There was a necessity of organization that was required, right? This, and this really gets at addressing the idea of tithing. You know, tithing is this principle of giving the first tenth of our wealth back to God. And in the, our vision and values class that Michael and I teach every other month and is our pathway towards membership here at VCDC, we talk about uh, financial giving as being one of our values here at the church and how it's important to be generous towards God as an acknowledgement that he has been generous to us. And I wanna read this little statement taken right from the vision and values notes. It says this, by joining VCDC, you are committing to give financially towards the needs and work of the church. Here at the Vineyard, we believe that giving is obedience to God's word, an expression of worship, and a natural part of belonging to any group or organization. Now, if you're visiting here or newer, you might be thinking, okay, here we go. I knew it. I knew it, right? I knew it. This church just wants my wallet, right? Well, that is not the case. And I, I want to just make a couple points here. That's not what I'm trying to get at. Um, in fact, talking about tithing is a very rare thing from up here on this stage. We rarely talk about it. In the last 15 years that my family and I have been here and a part of this church, I can think of maybe one or two times that Michael or another pastor has brought up tithing. And I don't even think it was the main focus of the message. It was kind of like a point. Uh, and, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm forgetting one or two of them. But, but we don't really talk about it that much, but it's still, it's a really important part of walking out our Christian faith. 
And that statement from Vision and Values talks about three different reasons why we want to encourage financial giving. Number one is it's biblical. It's biblical. It's being obedient to God's word. We see throughout the Bible that God's people gave a tithe of their crops or animals as an offering to God, to the, to the priest of the temple. And so it's not VCDC's idea that we've come up with this. It's, it was God's idea. See, so it's worship. It's worship. It's one of the ways that we worship God and acknowledge that he's our provider, that he, that he is the, the, our giver and that um, we are giving back to him. If Jesus is the head of the church, uh, then we give to him by giving to the body. Right? And three, it's practical. It's practical. It's, it's what we're talking about right here in Acts. And, and yes, some of it does go to keep the lights on, right? And keep this place clean in nights. Uh, in fact, actually, we've been planning it for some time, but we're, we'll be getting new carpet in this room next week, which is really exciting because the 17 years of coffee stains is, in, is taking its toll. I think there's a few of them back there that I know are mine. Uh, but, uh, but, um, sorry, I lost my place there. Um, but it's not just about that. More importantly, it's practical in helping collect and meet the needs of our community that individually we aren't all aware of or we don't all know about, just like the early church did. You know, one of the famous sayings of the Vineyard Movement is really simple, and it's this. It's remember the poor. Remember the poor. I have this wristband I've been wearing all week that says, remember the poor on it, just to remind myself, just to be soaking this in and reminding myself of how important that is. John Wimber, the father of the Vineyard Movement, once said this, if you're not gonna care for the poor, then don't use the vineyard name. And, and you know, I don't think John meant that to be like harsh, but I do think he, he meant it to be a non-negotiable. I do think he meant uh, that the church is called to remember the poor. When the Apostle Paul in the New Testament had this desire to go out and plant churches all around the Roman Empire to start sharing the good news of Jesus, uh, he had this desire. He went to the big three. He went to Peter, James, and John, the three closest friends and disciples of Jesus, and he asked for their blessing. He asked for their blessing. Can, can I go do this? Start, you know, tell people about Jesus and plant churches. And in Galatians, Paul retells this story and he says, that Peter, James, and John agreed it was a good idea. And they said, definitely you can go, but there's just one stipulation. There's just one requirement we would ask of you. If you're gonna go out and do that and plant these churches across the Roman empire, then we just promise this one thing. Galatians 2.10 says this, all they asked was that we should, should continue to remember the poor. The very thing that I have been eager to do all along, remember the poor, remember the poor. And Paul says that's what he was planning to do as well. And from the beginning of this church plan, from the beginning of ECDC, when Danny and Penny Meyer and the leadership team came and planted out of Vineyard Columbus, this church has always been about remembering the poor. And you all, you all, I wanna brag on you all a little bit if that's okay tonight. You guys have been a very, very generous church. We have been a very, very generous church. Whether you're newer to the vineyard or you've been around since the beginning or somewhere in between, you, we have, an, you have an impeccable track record uh, of being very, very generous, like the early church and like Paul, to the poor. So I wanna fair, share a few examples that some of you may not be aware of. Uh, over about a year and a half ago, 
a wonderful woman named Sharon, who happens to be here today. I'm sorry if I embarrassed you, Sharon. Uh, came up with this idea of wanting to help the homeless. And, and she wanted to organize and distribute and, uh, these personal care kits for the homeless. Uh, these portable, reusable kits with shampoo and soap and toothbrushes and, and much more uh, to just bring dignity to the homeless so that they could be clean and feel clean and good. And once a month, different small groups around the church gather together to put these kits uh, together and Sharon then goes and distributes them to six different shelters. Um, so mostly in this county, but also in Franklin County, Marion County. And since we started this just 20 months ago, we have created and distributed kits to over 2,700 people. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Think about what it'll be in 10 years, right? How many that'll have been, right? Family Promise is an organization in Delaware that takes families in need, uh, where many shelters are structured as men's shelters or women's shelters. Family Promise has a heart to keep families together when it's safe to do so, and we support them. We just began doing this with meals throughout the year. Um, if you were here the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pregnancy Resources of Delaware County uh, is another organization that we support. Um, and just the last two weeks, we collected baby wipes and you all brought in 15,000 baby wipes. That's amazing. Like, that's awesome. Uh, Bountiful Backpacks is an organization that we partner with to collect food items and put in bags to go homes uh, to students in our local school district here that might not have enough food to eat at home. They, get, they might get free or reduced breakfast and lunch at school, but what about on the weekends? Uh, and so on the weekends, they get a bag of food uh, to go home and over the summertime. And we've been doing this for about, I think this is our seventh year now. And to date, we estimate that we've collected and given out the equivalent of over 1,700 meals. That's awesome. That's awesome. And probably the longest standing ministry here uh, at VCDC would be our food pantry and our free medical clinic. And almost from the beginning, really, you know, really right when the building was, was built, we established a regular food pantry and free medical clinic here on the first and third Mondays of the month. And in our medical clinic, over the years, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of patients, sometimes up to 20 patients a night, helping with everything from uh, basic medical care to um, gynecology to free eye exams, all those things. And in our food pantry, I got to visit our food pantry this past week uh, and mingle with some of our guests. And uh, they were, as they were eating a warm meal and, and then waiting their turn to go through our grocery store line. We, in this hallway back here, we set up tables and there's shopping carts and they get to go through and pick out the items they want. But some of them were, were regular guests and some of them were first time guests. But one of the things that struck me in talking with so many of them was just their amazing gratitude, their amazing thankfulness. And not only that, even their own generosity. I talked with... Um, one first-time guest, she was a grandmother and had her six, uh, six-year-old granddaughter who by the end of about 20 minutes was my new best friend. Uh, she pretty much invited me to her seventh birthday party this week. Uh, um, but they just said, hey, this is awesome. How can we help? Can we start serving and helping? I thought, yeah, just keep coming for a while. But yeah, if you want to help, we'll find you. We'll find you. We'll put you to work. That's fine. But she wanted to give back. I heard a story about a man named Matt and that's not his real name. I just want to protect his privacy. But Matt, uh, Matt is, um, I got to meet him this weekend. And a couple weeks back, one of our key leaders, Jim, uh, Jim was 
noticing that Matt wasn't eating his meal. He had it in his to-go carrier and he wasn't, didn't seem like he was gonna eat it. And Matt's a tall, skinny guy like me and we kind of need to eat like fairly regularly, but he wasn't eating his meal. And Jim said to him, he said, hey, are you not hungry? You're not gonna eat? And he said, well, I came by myself. And so I assumed I could only get one meal, but my, my father, my elderly father's at home. And I just, I felt like I was supposed to save it for him, right? And Jim, Jim was like, well, that's great, but you can get another one. We got plenty. Like, and so since then, Jim checks with him every time and makes sure that he takes a meal home to his dad. Like generosity births more generosity, right? It's beautiful, you know? Uh, since the beginning of our food pantry, we estimate, well, we don't estimate, we know, we have record of it. We have fed over 63,000 people. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That's awesome. That doesn't even include the multiple visitors who walk in all throughout the week, who come into the church during the office hours. And Kathleen, our wonderful receptionist, greets them, loves on them, and gives them emergency groceries. I mean, it's almost daily that somebody comes to the door. And that's, we don't even count that. I could go on story after story. We could talk about our, our missionaries, right? Christopher Nizi Meyer, Bob Lesher serving in Brazil. Tim and Betsy Kubaki, who were just here two weekends ago, are serving in Angola, right? The countless people that they have served and, and, and are generous to, it's just amazing. This church is a generous, generous church. You all are a generous, generous church. And because of that, collectively, we get to love and serve those in need. And that's what excites me. That's what is continuing to excite me. Like carpet's great, that's gonna be great, but, but I don't really care that much. Like what excites me is serving and loving on the poor. You might be thinking, hey, that sounds great, Andrew. That's awesome. I'm so excited to hear all that we're doing here at VCDC to serve the needy, but I, I just can't get past the tithe 10th, 10% thing. Like, you know, like I would love to do that. My heart is to do that, but I, I just can't. I just can't right now. You know, I'm up to my eyeballs in credit card debt, right? Or, you know, I made this investment and now it's, you know, I went south or I'm just trying to keep up my, with my child support, right? Right, and if that's where you're at, let me just say, that's okay. That's okay. There's no guilt or shame. In fact, if you're struggling financially, would you reach out to us? We would love to connect you with some resources, you know, I, I, there are online programs right now, like with financial peace that are happening online all around the world that we can point you towards. Uh, you can come to the food pantry as a guest. It's not just here for out, people outside the church. It's here for you guys as well, if that would be a help. Ultimately, what God cares about is in here, is our hearts. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give in a way that you can give so that it's cheerful giving. You know, some of us come from backgrounds where you've experienced negative guilt or pressure when it comes to giving. And if that's the case, I'm sorry that you experienced that, and we don't want that to be your experience here at VCDC. We want everybody to experience the freedom and joy of giving with a cheerful heart back to God. But I would just encourage you to prayerfully consider if you're not giving regularly, to give something, to, to make it a habit to give something, even if it's a really small amount. 
If, that, if giving regularly, you're doing that, uh, but 10% seems overwhelming, give 3%. If you're doing 3%, pray about giving 5%. If you're doing 5%, pray about giving 10%. Right? Consider, again, 2 Corinthians, though God loves a cheerful giver. So whatever you can give, give with that kind of a heart. Now, there's not a ton of you, but I believe there are probably a few of you in the room that are on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Maybe you've had a very, God's really blessed your career or you've, had, you've made some lucrative investments or you've inherited a large sum, right? There are a few of you that giving 10% isn't really that much of a challenge. You've been giving 10% for years and it really hasn't you know, been hard at all. You still have lots of extra. I would just ask for you to consider, is God inviting you to give a little bit more? to give above and beyond that. Maybe, maybe giving here to the church, maybe, maybe giving directly to one of our missionaries, maybe giving to just a different you know, charity, you know, a God-centered charity that you're just familiar with, right? But, but imagine what we could do and can continue to do to expand the kingdom of God if we just continue to press into being generous, right? To, to those around us and those in need. And, and, I, and I wanna wrap up with this one story. So I've told this story a, a couple of years ago. Some, some of you may have heard it, but it's a really, I think a good story to portray the compounding effect, the compounding effect of what can happen when not just one or a few people give, but when everyone gives cheerfully with what they can, even if it's a small amount. So I grew up in a small farming community. Uh, my parents didn't have much land, but we had this little shed where we could raise chickens and turkeys. And so every summer, my brother and I would do that and we would take them to the local county fair. And uh, we would like, you know, go through the competition and we would get a chance at the end to sell them at auction. And uh, this, my last year, my very last year, I was 18. And so they kick you out once you're not a youth anymore. So, uh, but a friend of mine, Jared, was in a really, really tragic accident right before the fair. He was a friend of mine from my 4-H club. Uh, he was riding his bike along the road and uh, in the country, there are no sidewalks. So you just got to ride on the road. And he was heading to a neighbor's house to go and babysit uh, when he didn't hear the car coming up behind him. And uh, he switched over to the other side of the road and it wasn't the car's fault. He couldn't stop in time, but he struck my friend Jared and Jared survived. But the trauma that he experienced, the brain trauma that he experienced was so terrible that he lost the ability to talk, walk, and basically became in like an infant like that. And... It was an absolute horrible tragedy. After a few weeks in the hospital, the bills began to pile up for his parents. They started to try to figure out how they were going to take care of Jared at their home when he was good enough to come home and have in-home care. They were trying to figure out how do we build a wheelchair ramp for our son? How do we turn our down, you know, a downstairs room into a bedroom? How do we add on a downstairs bathroom that's you know, wheelchair? So they, I mean, here, you take this middle-class family and in an instant, They've become poor, basically, and in need. So this happened a few weeks before the fair. So fast forward again to the county fair. It's the last full day where there's going to be an auction where the local businesses come 
to buy the animals of the kids in FFA and 4-H and stuff to just support them uh, and support the agricultural community in the area. And that day I had this, this thought. And it was a thought that I, I know was from God. And it was this thought that whatever you, that I should give all the money that I got from the, my turkey sale to this family. And so I kind of checked it with my parents and they were like, sounds great. And so it was my turn to go into the arena. There's all these people with their numbers. You know, if you could picture an auction, right? And I shuffle my stupid turkey into the arena. Turkeys aren't, you know, very smart. So they just kind of wander around. And I slip a note to the auctioneer, basically explaining, I'm going to give whatever this guy sells for, I'm going to give it all to this family. And so he reads it and, uh, and everybody knew what had happened. Jared, small town, right? Everybody knows everybody in small town. Uh, so what was amazing, uh, what happened next was absolutely amazing. You know, a turkey's worth what? Like a dollar a pound, you know, 50 a pound or something like that. 20, 15 bucks maybe, right? In the end, you know, the, the auctioneer just kept going up and up and up. $200, $300, $400. My turkey sold for $1,000. Isn't that crazy? $1,000. That's one expensive Thanksgiving dinner, right? $1,000. It was beautiful. It was awesome. At this point, I'm sobbing, you know, like, surprise, surprise. I'm sobbing, right? And I'm starting to shuffle my turkey out to let the next kid in. And the auctioneer goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't leave yet. Just don't leave yet. And he got, he's on the microphone. He says, see, there's only one person can buy your turkey. This really wonderful, generous person. But there's a lot more people in this room that want to bless this family. So we're going to do a special thing. If you want to add a $100 donation, go ahead and stick your number up right now in the arena. And pretty much every number went up. They, they stopped the auction for like five or 10 minutes because the poor woman recording all these numbers down had to make sure she missed anything. And in the end, it went for $6,700. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. You know, and a couple weeks later, I get this check. Again, I'm 18. I've, I've never seen this kind of money before. Like, I, mean, I get this check for $6,700. I get to go and give it to this, his parents and, and, and see him go to their home. And they just cried and I just cried and we just hugged. And people, when I tell that story, people say, that's, that's amazing what you did, Andrew. That's amazing what you did. And not really. I was just an 18-year-old kid. I didn't have anything, but what I did have was a turkey. And so I gave what I had, and it wasn't worth much, right? And even that one really, really generous buyer, even that one really, you know, giving $1,000, that's great. That's awesome. But what was truly amazing was how God moved on a whole community to be generous together. That's what was amazing. That's what was profound. That's what Jesus wants his generous church to look like. Some of us in this church don't have much. Maybe, maybe only the value of a, a turkey to give. A few of us are on the other end of the spectrum. We have a lot extra. We, we're like the $1,000 buyer. Most of us are somewhere in the middle. We're like those $100 donors. But, but when we all give what we can with a cheerful heart, we can change lives. We can change this community. That's who we are at VCDC. That's who we want to continue to be. Well, 
Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.